the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. Jesus put it this way. He said, Whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And that whosoever opens the door to anyone. Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, who puts their faith in Him and His death and resurrection, will have their sins forgiven and receive eternal life. Today, Pastor Dan talks about who the message of the gospel is for. Have you ever been picked last for a team? It feels like you're missing out on the good stuff, and you had absolutely no control over it. In the early church, it was normal to be treated differently depending on whether you were a Jew or a Gentile. But when Jesus proclaimed, whoever believes in me, he was breaking down a generational wall. Be thankful for broken walls, because it means that anyone and everyone who believes will have an inheritance in heaven. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 56, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Well, if you remember back in chapter 53, that was, that was the big chapter in Isaiah where we saw the servant of the Lord who was sacrificed for our sins. And remember it said, God laid on him the iniquities of us all. All of our sins were put on the servant of the Lord. And that servant of the Lord, of course, is Jesus Christ. He's the one who took our sins and died on the cross for our sins. And so now that our sins have been atoned for, now that our sins have been paid for by the servant of the Lord, now in chapter 56, the Lord says in verse 1, Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness. You know, your sins have been forgiven. So now going forward, keep justice and do righteousness. And notice that it's, these are things that we do. You know, we, we keep justice. We maintain justice. We do righteousness. It's talking about living a righteous life living a right life, going forward. Now that all of our sins have been removed, now going forward, we should live righteously. Keep justice here. It means do what's fair. Do what's right. You know, the Lord's talking about how we treat others here. Do what's fair. Do what's, what's right in your life. And then he says, for, and so this is why we should keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. You should keep justice and do righteousness. You should do what's right, do what's fair in the way that you treat others because 
because the Lord's salvation is about to come. And his righteousness is about to be revealed. Now, this is the same message that John the Baptist preached, essentially. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Make straight a highway in the desert for our Lord. In other words, get your life straightened out. Get your life right because the Messiah is coming soon. And if you remember with John the Baptist, when the tax collectors came out to John the Baptist and the Roman soldiers came out and said, well, what should we do? John's answer was essentially verse one of Isaiah 56. He he said, keep justice and do righteousness. Be fair in the way that you treat people. Do the right thing. Now, these verses also have an application for us today. They're not just written for those living in Isaiah's day. They're, They're also written for us today. Our salvation is about to come. Our salvation is Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches us and tells us that that the return of Christ for the church is imminent, meaning that Christ could come for his church at any moment. Christ could come for the church tonight and we could be caught up to heaven with the Lord. And so we should keep justice and we should do righteousness. We should do right. We should live a right life in his eyes because our salvation is is about to come. We should live in a way that we're always ready for the Lord to come. You know, in first John chapter three, we're told that those that have the hope of the return of Christ, they purify their lives. They live a pure life. They live a right life because they know that Christ could come for them at any moment. And we should be ready for the Lord to come. It goes on in verse two to say, blessed is the man who does this. And the son of man who lays hold on it, who latches on to this idea of keeping justice and doing righteousness. He says, blessed is the man who does this or happy is the man. Happy is the person who keeps justice and does righteousness, doing what's fair, doing what's right. It leads to a happier life. (laughs) The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. It's a hard life. But living a right life is a happier life. You know, just, just living a righteous life, it keeps you out of a lot of trouble. It spares you a lot of heartache, practically. Now he goes on here in verse 2. He says, blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Now, the Sabbath was a sign between God and And the nation of Israel, if you turn back to Exodus chapter 31, verse 16, it says, therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generation as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign notice between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. And so here we're told that the Sabbath day is a sign between God and the children of Israel. And it's a perpetual sign. It's forever. The children of Israel were to keep the Sabbath day as a sign of their relationship with God. It's the Sabbath isn't really for the church. In the New Testament, we're told that Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. Now, if a a Christian wants to keep a Sabbath day, that's, that's fine. But the sign is really a sign for the children of Israel. And and here the Lord says, back in Isaiah 56, it says, he who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil, that person will be blessed. 
keeps my covenant. Now look at verse three. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, well, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, well, here I am a dry tree. And so here the Lord speaks to the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord. So this is a this is a foreigner. He's not a, an Israelite. He's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. He's a foreigner. But he's joined himself to the Lord. He's joined himself to Jehovah. But he may feel like he doesn't belong. He may feel like he's separated from the Lord, separated from God's people, separated from God's family, that he's a he's an outsider, that he doesn't have a place in the family of God. And the Lord also speaks here to the eunuch, to the person you know who doesn't have children, who says, I don't have a posterity. I don't have a future. I don't have a legacy. After I'm dead, I'll just be forgotten. And the Lord addresses the eunuch first in verse four to the eunuch. The Lord says, for thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant. Even to them, I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name that's better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. You know, to the the person who says, I don't have a posterity. After I'm gone, I'll be forgotten. The Lord says that he will give them a place. He has an inheritance for them that is better, he says, than that of sons and daughters. He says, you will not be forgotten. You'll have an everlasting name. You'll never be cut off. If you walk in my ways, if you walk in my ways and do what pleases me, do you see that? He, he says, if you keep my Sabbaths, if you choose what pleases me, you hold fast my covenant, well, then you'll have an everlasting name. You'll never be cut off. Now, look, look at verse five again. I just want to point one thing out with this verse. Notice he says there, and within my walls, he will have a place and a name, meaning he'll never be forgotten, is the idea there. He'll always have a place. He'll always have a name. He'll always be remembered. He'll never be forgotten. In the Hebrew, that phrase, a place and a name, it's the Hebrew word Yad Vashem. Yad Vashem. That might be familiar to some of you. In Israel, their Holocaust museum is called Yad Vashem. Uh, and they have this verse, Isaiah 56, 5, written on the wall of their Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. It's a place where their name is never forgotten. Those who died in the Holocaust, where their name is always remembered and never forgotten. Yad Vashem. He goes on here now to speak to the foreigner. Remember the foreigner who says, I'm I'm separated from God and God's people. I'm an outsider. I don't really have a place. I don't really feel like I belong in God's family. He says in verse six, also the sons of the foreigner who joined themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast to my covenant, even them, even the foreigner, I will bring to my holy mountain. Look what it says. And I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. 
their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Now, most of us here are probably Gentiles, if not all of us here. Man, we should really find these verses encouraging because it's speaking to the foreigner. It's speaking to the non-Jew. And it's saying to the foreigner that the foreigner can come and that the foreigner has a place in the house of the Lord. This is telling us that anyone, anyone can come to the Lord. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. Outcasts, foreigners, anyone can come and they, they will be accepted by God. He says, you know, if you join yourself to the Lord, if you serve him, if you love the Lord, you keep his covenant. God will welcome you into his house. He'll accept your offering and you'll belong to him. And that's good news for us. That's good news to us who are foreigners. You know, Jesus put it this way. He said, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And that whosoever opens the door to anyone. Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, who puts their faith in him and his death and resurrection, will have their sins forgiven and receive eternal life. It's not just for the Jews, it's for anyone and everyone that comes to him through faith in Christ. And notice here at the end of verse 7, he talks about him, verse 7, that for that foreigner, even the foreigner, I'll bring him into my holy mountain. I'll make them joyful in my house of prayer. I'll accept their sacrifices on my altar. And then he says, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, not for the Jews only, but for all people. All people can come to the Lord, to Jehovah and seek him and he will accept them. Now, in in the temple in Jerusalem, there was what was called uh, the court of the Gentiles. And it was a court that was designated specifically for foreigners, for Gentiles, for non-Jews to come and to seek the Lord and to pray and seek the Lord. They made a place for the Gentiles. It's interesting that the court of the Gentiles is the largest court in the temple or was the largest court in the temple. Uh, you look at the church today, the church is made up primarily of Gentiles, more than Jews. It's as if the Lord knew that more Gentiles would come and seek him. And you would need more space for the Gentiles that would come than for God's own chosen people, the Jews. So God says, you know, my house shall be called a house of prayer, not just for the Jewish people, but for all nations. Anyone can come, any foreigner. And if they come and they seek me and they keep my covenant, They'll be accepted in my house. I'll hear their prayer. I'll accept them. It's a house of prayer for all nations. Now, Jesus 
quoted Isaiah 56, verse 7 in the New Testament, in the Gospels, when he cleansed the temple in Jerusalem the second time. He cleansed it twice, once at the beginning of his ministry. And then he cleansed the temple a second time, right before his crucifixion, at the end of his ministry here on the earth, before he was crucified and resurrected. And he quotes this verse when he cleanses the temple. And I want to look at that passage together. So if you turn over to Mark chapter 11 in the New Testament. Again, this is this is just before the crucifixion. This is the last time Jesus is in was in Jerusalem. And it says in verse 15, Mark eleven fifteen. So they, the disciples and Jesus came to Jerusalem. And then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and notice and the seats of those who sold doves. The doves were kept in cages. He didn't overturn the tables that had the doves on them. He overturned the seats of those who were selling the doves. He's angry. You know, the Bible says be angry, but sin not. Jesus is angry here. It's righteous indignation. But he's not out of control in his anger. He's not in a rage. He still has control. And he can distinguish between the table that has the doves and the seats of those who sold the doves. He flips over the seats of those who sold the doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. People use the temple as a shortcut to get from one side of town to the other. And he wouldn't let them do that. And I think this tells us a lot about Jesus Christ. You know, we tend to picture Jesus as this very meek, kind of, you know, emaciated person. But here's a guy who walks into a temple and he tells people, you can't come through here anymore. And people listen to him and they stop and they turn around and go the other way. And he tells people, get this stuff out of here. And they listen to him and they get that stuff out of there. So I think that tells us a little bit about Jesus's demeanor and maybe his physical presence as well. Nobody wanted to mess with him. He would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, is it not written? Look, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of thieves. And so here he quotes from Isaiah 56. Is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of thieves. Now. What they had there in the temple is, uh, you know, people would travel to Jerusalem from from all over the world to go to that temple to worship, to celebrate the different feasts. And most of them wouldn't bring an offering with them. In fact, by the days of Jesus, nobody really brought an offering with them. You'd buy it there at the temple. So they had a place where you could purchase a sacrifice, uh, but you couldn't use your Roman currency. You had to use a, a temple currency. So you had to exchange your Roman currency to get temple currency. Then you could make an offering with it. Or you could go buy a sacrifice there and take it into the temple, a lamb or an ox or doves to make an offering to the Lord. And so they had this marketplace there, essentially, uh, where you could buy an animal for sacrifice. And the high priest, he was the one who ran this marketplace there at the temple. He was the one making all the money. Off of it. Uh, in fact, Josephus, uh, when he wrote about uh, Ananias, the high priest, he described Ananias, the high priest, as a great hoarder of money. 
Uh, so this guy's getting rich off of the temple and all of these people that are coming to the temple to worship. Uh, they had an area in the temple called the Royal Stoa, which is where they sold uh, the animals and where they exchanged the currency. But during the great feasts, the three feasts, the mandatory feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, obviously a lot more people would come to Jerusalem for those feasts. And so they would have a, a lot more sacrifices to sell. And so what they decided to do is they moved this market out of the royal stoa and they set it up in the court of the Gentiles where the Gentiles would come to worship. So here you have the court of the Gentiles on each side there. This building on the left with kind of the red roof, uh, that's the royal stoa. That's where the marketplace was. The royal stoa is not part of the temple. And so what they did is they started moving the selling of the animals and the money changers out of the royal stoa, out of that red-roofed building, and they've placed it in the court of the Gentiles. And I think you're probably in your mind, I know in my mind, when I think about them selling animals for sacrifice, maybe you think of like, you know, the little pins like they have at the petting zoo with, you know, like three or four little sheep in there or something like that. One uh, commentary I read said uh, they brought in 3,000 head of livestock at a time for sacrifice. So what did they do? They filled the court of the Gentiles with this marketplace now where the Gentiles, the foreigners were supposed to come and seek the Lord. They, they filled it now with this marketplace, this area that was supposed to be designated as sacred space, a place uh, that you would, you know, have reverence for God and now they turn it into like Walmart on Black Friday, right? And it's just filled with people. It's noisy. It's crowded. It's smelly. You get 3,000 animals in there. And it's going to smell. They're going to make a mess. You've got oxen. You've got sheep. And it's like this crazy marketplace now. And the foreigner who comes now to the temple, he doesn't have a place to go. They took his space. That's why Jesus, when he cleanses the temple, that's why he quotes Isaiah 56, 7 and says that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. You're no longer providing a place for the foreigner to come. You're no longer providing a place for the Gentile to come and seek the Lord. You've put your market there now. You've kind of taken over his space. You've left him with nowhere to come and, and, and seek the Lord. Me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. We're so glad you joined us today for Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from this series, they're available to you for free at CalvaryEC.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. That way, you will have access to each message as soon as it's made available online. That website again is calvaryec.com. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, we'd love for you to worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. Again, that phone number is 410-491-4592. We look forward to you joining us as our guests. And please, 
Take a moment to introduce yourself to Pastor Dan after the service and let him know you listen to Ring of Truth. With that, our time with you has come to an end today on Ring of Truth. Join Pastor Dan next time for more from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth.